The Deadways Pre-Reading, Part 1. As the car sped through the busy London streets, its blacked-out windows glinting in the early summer sunshine, Scott knew something wasn't right. From the moment the car pulled up outside the school gates, an uneasy feeling had started to knot in his stomach. And right now, as the driver swerved round a right-hand corner and straight through a red light, scattering pedestrians in front of him, the knot was being pulled tight. Having a driver pick you up from school every day was one of the drawbacks you had to suffer when your dad worked in the heart of the government. Security precautions, he had said when Scott complained. These are dangerous times. It wasn't as though his dad worked for MI5 or anything interesting like that. Alex Williams was only a civil servant for the Department of Transport, but Scott's protests had fallen on deaf ears. Don't worry, his dad had joked, affectionately ruffling Scott's tousled mop of blonde hair. I'll make sure they send a really flash car that'll impress your mates. That afternoon, as Scott had waited by the gates of his exclusive private school, his slim arms folded across his athletic frame, the usual government car, a sleek Bentley Continental, had pulled up to the curb, its black paint gleaming in the sunlight. As the window rolled down, Scott saw yet another driver, this time an unfamiliar weasel-faced man staring at him inquisitively. Scott Williams, the man asked, scratching at the fading acne scars on his cheek. Scott nodded. He was tall for his age and with his piercing blue eyes and chiselled features was often mistaken for being older than his 13 years. Gathering up his school bag, he headed for the passenger door as it swung open to greet him. The drivers exchanged on almost a weekly basis. There was no time to make any kind of friendly connection as the car shuttled him from home to school and back again. However, the last driver, an old guy named Max with snow white hair, had lasted for nearly a fortnight and Scott now found himself disappointed by the change. Where's Max? he asked as he climbed into the back. A glass screen shielded the driver, and as Scott fastened his seatbelt, he heard the sound of the door clicking shut. Max, oh, he's not feeling too well today. The driver looked over his shoulder as he pulled away from the curb, a sinister grin spreading across his ferret-like face. Don't worry, we're taking care of him. The car roared through the city, the familiar streets rapidly giving way to other less known roads as the driver stepped on the accelerator. As they headed south of the river, Scott's unease turned to fuse into an ominous sense of dread. Loosening his seatbelt, he leaned forward and knocked on the glass screen. The driver glanced back, his narrow face hardening into an expression of irritation. What? he grunted. You're heading the wrong way, Scott replied. He gestured with his thumb in the direction of the turning they'd just missed. My house is... I know where your house is, the driver cut across him. He leaned forward and pressed a button on the dashboard. Scott suddenly saw his own suspicious face reflected in the glass as the screen turned black. The driver's disembodied voice cut through the partition. But you won't be seeing it for a while. Now shut up and sit down. Scott's mind reeled in confusion. The car windows through which he had seen the busy London streets racing by were now an impenetrable black, sealing him inside a dark cocoon. As the car picked up speed, he hammered on the blackout screen. What do you mean? Look, when my father finds out... Oh, your father will find out soon enough, the driver interrupted. 
In fact, I'm taking you to meet somebody who's got a message for him. What message? Scott shouted through the darkened glass. Just tell me and take me home. He heard the driver's muffled laugh. You don't understand. You are the message. Well, you will be when we're finished with you. A shiver ran down Scott's spine as the driver's chilling words hit home. He heard the echo of his father's voice. These are dangerous times. Trapped in the back of the car, Scott's mind raced, frantically searching for answers. Now, he'd wished he'd paid more, more attention to TV news reports about terrorists, hijackings and kidnappings, although the few details he could remember made him shiver with fear. One thing was certain, he needed to start taking his own security precautions and get out of the situation fast. In desperation, he lunged for the door handle, trying to force it open, but the lever just clicked uselessly in his grasp before the car swerved, hurling him sideways. Oi, cut that out! The driver barked, unless you want to end up as pavement pizza. Sinking back into the leather seat, Scott breathed deeply, trying to control his fear. Keep calm, he murmured. Keep it together. You're going to get out of this. You've just got to wait for the right moment. The wail of police sirens in the distance momentarily raised his hopes, but then the sound quickly faded into nothingness. They weren't looking for him. As the driver leaned on the, the horn, swerving the car around yet another corner, Scott suddenly remembered his mobile phone nestling in his jacket pocket. It was too risky to try and make a call, but the goon up front was probably trying to watch him like a hawk through the one-way glass. But if he could just send a message. Stealthily, he slipped the phone out from his pocket, shielding it in his hand as he feverishly tapped out a message. Kidnapped in black car heading south of river, call cops. Scott quickly found his dad's number and pressed send. The progress bar on his mobile showed the message sending, but then he felt the car suddenly break and barrel over two speed bumps in quick succession before heading down a steep slope. His faint hopes to rescue it extinguished as he saw the mobile signal disappear. At the bottom of the ramp, he felt the car pull a sharp turn before heading down another steep slope and then another. It must be an underground car park, thought Scott. As the car slowly cruised to a halt, his body tensed. Whatever they had planned, it looked like he was going to be finding out soon enough. Scott heard the driver's door open, the sound of heavy footsteps, and then the low murmur of voices outside. He strained to make out what was being said. No problem at all. Does Williams know yet? Switch cars now, we'll finish it. The lock clicked and Scott saw the door start to open, revealing a gloomy subterranean half-light outside. One chance. He had to make it count. Bracing himself, he kicked out with all the force he could summon. The door swung back with a satisfying crack and he heard a curse escape from the lips of the driver as he staggered backwards. Scott leapt out of the car and dashed into the shadows. Catching a glimpse of another bulky figure lurking in the gloom, Scott saw huge bear-like arms reach out to grab him. He ducked, diving beneath their grasp, and rolled as he hit the floor, the cold concrete scraping at his skin. Scrambling to his feet, Scott looked around, desperate to find a way out. He was in a cavernous underground car park, barely lit by the rows of flickering sodium lights overhead. The place was deserted, except for the car that had brought him here and a black, uh, sorry, and a dark blue BMW parked alongside it. 
Ahead of him, the soft orange glow of an exit sign pointed towards a thin slither of light. An open door, a way out. Scott ran. Behind him, he heard a barrage of curses, the men's thick voice, uh, voices, the men's voices thick with violence. Get after him! Scott slammed through the exit door, finding himself at the bottom of a grimy stairwell with an endless grey concrete step stretching up in front of him. He sprinted up the stairs, using the cold metal handrail to catapult himself forward as he cleared every corner. Below him, the door slammed open once more. Then the relentless pounding of footsteps came echoing up the stairwell. Level three, level two. Scott's lungs were burning and his heart thudded in his mouth. Level one, they were gaining on him, but he could hear the sound of traffic on the street outside. At the top of the stairwell, a sign in white flaking paint announced level zero. He burst through the door, the sunlight half blinding him as he raced forward into a street alive with people. Scott stumbled out onto the path of an un- sorry, Scott stumbled out into the path of an oncoming black cab, a squeal of brakes and a blaring horn berating him as the driver leaned out of his window. You want to get yourself killed? The cabbie barked. Racing round the side of the cab, Scott piled into the back seat. Westminster, he gasped, slamming the passenger door behind him. Please, hurry. As the cab pulled away into the stream of traffic, the driver tutting under his breath at the youth of today, Scott risked a glance in the rear, view, in the rear window. He saw his pursuers barge through the door of the car park and look around intently for their prey. A grim-faced scowl scarred the lean, pork pock-marked face of his abductor with the thick-set, heavy slam, while the thick-set, heavy slammed his fist into his open palm. Scott ducked out of sight, and when he dared to glance up again, two men were marching back inside, the weasel-faced driver kicking at the swinging door in frustration as they disappeared from view. The dark imaginings in his brain had been holding at bay came out in a juddering sigh of relief. He got away. Suddenly, he felt the insistent buzzing of the mobile in his pocket. He looked down at the caller ID as he flipped open the phone. It was his dad. Scott, what's happened? The voice at the other end of the line was frantic with worry. Where are you? Dad, it's okay. Scott looked out the window as the Thames rolled into view with Big Ben and the Houses of Parliament looming on the far side of the river. I'm all right. I'll be with you in five minutes.